0: Um, many of you don't understand, along with the sex trafficking, the rate of forced abortion is a statistic that you can see. And I've had to counsel with a teenager that went through that. When I first heard of what she was trying to do, I started to become more sensitive to watching for this to take place, and even this past week, An older couple was arrested for this very fact with a teenage daughter and stepdaughter in Syracuse. In this past year, it's happened three or four times in Cougar County. It's happened in Oneida County. It's happened in Onondaga County. It's happened in Oswego County. And it's happened in Wayne County. And the answer that she's trying to present to you is Jesus Christ for them. So pray about that. And that's why I wanted her to mention the sign-up sheets. Think about that. And she asked me. She didn't want to go around to the pastor or anything. And she says, it's okay if I mention the, the sign-up sheets, even for individual donors for that. And I said, of course. Okay. Our church is a very good giving church, and we'll be dealing with things later okay, with, in regards to the ministry. But I just want to encourage you that we need to realize in the last day uh, Okay, where sin did abound, what needs the more abound? Grace. Amen? Okay. I changed my message for today. Um, I was going to be finishing up (laughs) the seven mysteries, but I didn't think that uh, Mystery Babylon was going to be a good idea this morning. (laughs) Okay, so I want you to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 And this is a message that I preach periodically. I think I last preached it in the church if I've written it down properly. was in 2010. But I preach it periodically. And the message is called True Forgiveness. True Forgiveness. So Ephesians chapter 4. And I mentioned to Pastor Kenny, I said, you know, I'm going to be preaching this. And he goes, I was just talking to somebody this week about your message about that. And I kind of took that as, okay, Lord, this is what you want. Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 29. And it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, Ephesians 4.29, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I'd like you also to turn to Hebrews 12 quickly. We'll read that then primarily because we're going to be working out the Old Testament after these introductory verses. But in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 14, it says, "...follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man can see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God." lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And they said the message Is about true forgiveness. I won't kneel this morning because of my knee, but I need to take a moment and pray for the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray now, Lord, that you give me a fresh unction from on high. You take control of my mind and my mouth. Father, my heart, the actions of my hands and feet. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit can have his will and his way in each and every heart here this morning. Father, if there's someone here today, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we pray today could be the day of salvation for them. We ask, Father, that you work exceedingly abundantly above everything we could ask or think. And Father, you'd help us, Father, to see the need of forgiveness in our daily lives with all that we deal with. Work in our hearts to that end, Father, whether we be saved or whether we be lost. I pray your Holy Spirit can have his will and his way in each and every heart. And when we leave this place, we'll be able to say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the hardest things to learn in life is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. You know, toward one who has harmed or hurt us. I know part of Rahab's ministry is for the people who have gone through what they have gone through who will come into that is learning to be able not to let what happened to them control their life. And to do so, they're going to have to forgive it doesn't change what's happened. It doesn't change what will take place. It doesn't mean that they have to go back into any type of relationship with the person who harmed them. But there has to be an attitude of forgiveness, you know? And sometimes, you know, many times we'll say that we've forgiven someone. You know, say, I forgive you. Did you hear me? I forgive you. Right? I forgive you. Did you? Did you? You know, it still eats at us and affects the way we treat the offending person or the offending group. It just doesn't come naturally to forgive. You know that? There's a reason for that. That's because forgiveness is an attribute of God. And it can, well, true forgiveness can only come from God. In the last verse of our opening text, I should say of the first opening text, Ephesians chapter 4, It says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as what? God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, we've used it different times. I want you to know when Jesus forgives you or God forgives you because of Jesus Christ, we're told in Psalm 103, verses 10 and 12 that He separates you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. And you've heard this before, but I want you to recognize that. If you suffer with the lack of forgiveness in your life or accepting forgiveness, remember go look at verse Psalm one hundred three verses ten through twelve. He separates us as far as the east is from the west because the east and west never meet. North and south do. Okay, in Isaiah thirty eight seventeen, he takes our iniquities, our transgressions, and he throws them behind his back. In Micah 7, verses 18 and 19, it says, He throws them in the depths of the sea. You know why? Because when God forgives you, He doesn't look at you through that which He's forgiving you of. That's why it's almost impossible for a person in their own strength, in their humanity, in their natural state, to truly forgive. Do we deserve the forgiveness of God? No. None of you. You say, yeah, but, 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 but. <laughs> you know, if I ever got all that was coming to me, hell would break out right in front of you. If you got what truly was coming for you, to you, if God in His holiness and His true righteousness judged you for every thought you ever had, For every word you ever spoke? For everything you ever did? For every person you ever hindered or injured? You understand what I'm saying to you? What would you get? Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4 puts it like this. It says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared." Dealing with somebody who was caught with somebody who was trying to tell them they were using the Old Testament to judge New Testament salvation. I'm not preaching about that this morning. I just thank God that I'm in the New Testament and not in the Old Testament. Okay, In the age of grace and not under the law. But I want you to think about this. You know, God's judgment... In hell and the lake of fire are because of God's righteousness and holiness, because He can't have sin in His presence. But God's love and forgiveness is seen in Calvary's cross. Do you ever think about? We talk about missions always begins here, not with our missionaries. And missions truly has to begin with the first, God's holiness and righteousness, because if a person isn't lost, they won't get saved. And they won't get saved if they can't understand that forgiveness is found with God. They need to know what they need to be forgiven of. You know, we have to stop and think about this. Forgiveness is only found when we allow God's Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. And we allow jesus christ because if you're here this morning you're saved he is not only supposed to be your savior he's supposed to be your lord if he's your savior he saved you but your lord will change if he's your lord on a day-to-day basis it will change what you do how you do and what you say okay and he'll do it through us it's not human nature Our fallen nature, man's nature outside of Jesus Christ, is selfish. It's self-seeking. We only want to give love if love is being returned. If that happened with God, I digress to the beginning and say all hell would break loose again. You know, Jesus in his words on Calvary's cross in Luke 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them for they what? Know not what they do. Today we're going to look at five things. And I said I preached the message, I think, in 2010. I preached it on the mission field. I have preached it at a pastor's fellowship before. It got quiet at a pastor's fellowship because sometimes pastors don't forgive easy. Okay? And we're going to look at five things about true forgiveness from, I believe, the greatest Old Testament type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in the life of Joseph. So I'd have you turn to... Genesis chapter 45, Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 7. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and all the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest." And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great, a great deliverance. And the first thing I want you to see of the five is that true forgiveness doesn't want others to know what had been done to them. It protects the offender. It protects the offender. <laughs> I want you to think about this. The background of this passage. Joseph, second youngest brother of his family, of the sons of Israel. He had a younger brother, Benjamin. His mother died at the birth of Benjamin. But he was given in a vision, a dream, that he would one day rule over his brothers and his father. And they rejected it. They resented it. They were envious of it. And they got bitter because of it. See, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. They almost killed him. He got sold into slavery by the very brothers that he had told were going to be under his authority. And that was just to protect him from being killed outright by his own brothers. You say, how could that happen? It happens all the time. I'm not trying to pick on anybody in their families, but there's people who will not forgive within their family dynamic. And so the family does not have any communication or closeness. Now I can understand that with lost people, but save people who can't reach across the sin. It doesn't want others to know what had been done to them. You know it's contrary to the world's way of dealing with things, isn't it? It's quiet here this morning. Everybody has to know what was done just so it doesn't happen again. Amen? I had someone ask me this week, is there going to be any Catholics in heaven? And I said, of course. He said, how will they get there? I said, by trusting Jesus Christ, the same way Baptists do. And there'll be Baptists in hell who are trusting in their church and their religion because they never truly trusted in Jesus Christ. Did I offend you? Please forgive me. I'm going to offend you again. You know what Baptists love to do? They love to air their dirty laundry. It's a big problem amongst all religious people. I think the single greatest sin of Bible-believing Baptists is gossip. Did I offend you? Please forgive me. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just going to ask you so let a man examine himself. Amen. So they turned around, and he, they sold him into Egypt. And then he was persecuted in the house of Potiphar and lied about. And he was cast into prison. he spent many years suffering because of the actions of his brothers. He was put in prison and only by the grace and mercy of God revealing things to him was eventually, he came out of prison and was made second only to Pharaoh in all the land of Egypt. The leading power in all the world at that time. They didn't know it was him. They had been accused of stealing from Pharaoh. They'd gone down in Egypt to beg bread because there was a worldwide famine at the time. And because of God's leading, Joseph had prepared Egypt not to have to suffer that. And they'd gone down there to buy food. And they get accused of stealing. You ever have anybody accuse you of stealing when you never did it? They knew they didn't do it and they just stood up and there. Oh man. They weren't guilty of that crime, were they? You know what they were guilty of? What they had done to Joseph. And they didn't know. They're looking at this man standing before him and he had an Egyptian haircut. He didn't have a Baptist haircut. He had an Egyptian haircut. He was dressed in the finest robes of Egypt. He was second only to Pharaoh himself, and the Egyptians worshipped Pharaoh as a god. And that's who was dealing with them, and that's who they were afraid of. And if you read, I won't read the passage, but you know something they started talking about? This never would have happened to us if we hadn't done what we did to Joseph so many years before. You know what happens with that? The guilty flee when no man pursueth. But I want you to notice, He didn't want the others, the Egyptian servants, to know. So He sent them all out. So there was nobody... But Joseph and his brothers. He didn't air it out because, you know, they esteemed Joseph almost like a god. And he had saved the Egyptians' lives. And he could be in one of those situations. I know when Nebuchadnezzar spoke, he said, And who I will, it willeth, and what I say, it's done. He wants to put somebody to death, Joseph could have done that. And they heard Joseph, he sent him out. He could not refrain himself. He looked at his brothers and he cried. And he sent all the Egyptians out. Because the first thing when you truly forgive somebody is you don't want everybody else to know what that person's done to you. That's the way Jesus Christ did it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, it's contrary to the world's way of dealing things. Look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Hebrews, James. 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. That's where James is. Chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. See, unto whom much is given, much is... For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, he's mature, he's complete, and able also to bridle the whole body. You know what that's telling me? If a guy can control his mouth, he can control what comes out of it, and controls what he can do in other areas. I've had a man say, I just can't help myself. She makes me angry, and boy, I can't control it. I can't control it. So I stood up, shook him, and said, Get mad at me. I can't do that anymore. I keep breaking. But I shook the guy, and I said, You want to get mad? Get mad at me. I got right in his face, and he goes, I ain't going to get mad at you. You're nuts. The guy was 6'4", 230 pounds. I just happened to be 6'7", 300. He thought he was going to lose. And he didn't lose his temper. He didn't yell at me. He sat down quietly. He said, I don't like being treated that way. Whatsoever man sows. I said, you can control your temper if you have the right impetus. That's not recommended counseling practices. She was being hurt, and I stopped it that day. She'd say something, he'd get angry, he'd start yelling. His, he'd yell, his temper would get harder. It, the, the harder his temper got worse, the more he yelled, and then pretty soon it went violent. The same is, also, is a perfect man also able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with so very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, and so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. That takes me back to Hebrews. If any man fail of the grace of God, if any root of bitterness springing up trouble him and many be defiled it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it set on fire is set on the fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison therewith bless we God even the Father and therewith Curse we men which are made after the similitude of who? Of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. I've learned in my marriage the best things that I ever say when it's a time of frustration is to not say anything. They were afraid. They were afraid. Second thing I want you to know, not only does true forgiveness doesn't want others to know what had been done to you, it protects the offender, true forgiveness makes an effort to have the offender feel at ease in your presence. Look at verse three in our text in Genesis forty five. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. He's trying to get them to ease up. Can you picture the scene? They're accused of stealing, knowing their lives and their father's life was in this man's hand. Second only to Pharaoh, and the Egyptians worshipped Pharaoh. He says, I am Joseph. Is dad still alive? You know, he's trying to get their thought off what's taking place right there, what they've been accused of immediately. He's trying to make them be able to relax. You've got a biblical example of that God dealing with Adam. Turn to Genesis 3. In Genesis chapter 3, Eve was beguiled by the serpent. Adam chose Eve over God. That's why Adam's sin was greater. And they were afraid. It says, "...in the eyes of them," in verse 7, "...were both opened, and they knew that they were naked." And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. (laughs) And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. You know, people think they can hide themselves from God. Isn't that silly? His eyes are everywhere beholding the evil and the good. And the Lord God called unto them and said unto them, Where art thou? (laughs) Where art thou? You think God didn't know where they were? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You go on the rest of that story. God knew they were naked. They knew they were naked. There was no hiding anything. What did God do about that? Verse 21 of chapter 3, and unto God, or unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and what? Clothe them. Their leaf covering wasn't doing a very good job. So he provided for them so that they could be at ease in his presence. Psalm 32 and verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, and whose sin is Covered. I thank God He covers my sin. I don't know why people think they got to uncover someone else's sin to everybody else. I have a hard enough time dealing with me, people. I really do. I can't walk and chew gum anymore. I can't preach on a Wednesday night without coming down off the pulpit, without tearing a, a meniscus in my knee which happened because of the antibiotic they gave me to get me over the C. diff, which happened because of another antibiotic, which happened because of a procedure. <laughs> Pastor Cable looks at me and he goes, Preacher, this is not contagious, is it? <laughs> he wanted them to be at ease in his presence. He goes, how's dad? You know, there's a small poem, I've used it before, it goes like this. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had a mind to win. We drew a bigger circle and took him in. That's the thing I've told people before when I'm trying to teach them about counseling. I talk, tell, talk to them about a push-pull. People will try to push you away and you've got to pull them in, bring them in. So we have the first two parts of that. Doesn't want others to know what had been done to you tries to make the offender feel at ease in your presence. Third thing. See, I'm already at the third one. I was told not to preach the quarter of one by Melanie this morning. If you haven't been able to preach a Sunday morning service in three weeks, preacher, be careful. Third thing I want you to see. Look at verses 4 and 5 in our text. Genesis 45. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. You know what true forgiveness does? It makes an effort to get the others, the offenders, to forgive themselves. Do you know how many times I have to counsel with people to let them. They say, God can't love me anymore. God won't ever hear my prayers again. And I go, no, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. God won't forgive me. Yeah, He will. Yeah, He will. Joseph tried to get them to forgive themselves. God knew what they had done. Joseph knew what they had done. And they knew what they had done. Without that taking place, the relationship never can really be restored. Genesis 45 says, Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. You You know what he's saying? Joseph is saying true forgiveness. He's saying, let it go. I want you in my life. I've forgiven you. Forgive yourself. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs that says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. He told them what they did. They sold them into slavery. And then lets them know, I forgive you. Forgive yourselves. The burden can be lifted. Martin Niemeyer after spending months in one of Adolf Hitler's prisons during World War II, emerging saying this. He said, it took me a long time to learn that God is not the enemy of my enemies. There's people who won't forgive somebody who didn't do anything to them, but it did it to their friend. Well, if you did it to my friend, you did it against me. So now I'm a you. You don't even know what it's about. You may not even know what your friend actually did. And sometimes people get angry at God because God just doesn't punish that person the way you think it ought to happen. And I've had to deal with that in counseling at least 100 times. God's not the enemy of my enemies. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13 says this, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Bowels of mercies. Some of what I've gone through, I had one of the nurses say, you know the problem you're having, Mr. Legault? Because I I looked at it and I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm here other than the fact that I'm going to give tracts to these nurses. I said, I don't know how I got this. I don't like what I have. I don't like what it's doing to me. I don't like the fact that I can't walk more than three feet in any one direction for two days because they put me in an isolation room that was small. I don't fit in a small room. I barely fit in the MRI machines, okay? But I was able to witness to them. Found out two of them were Christians. They were afraid to say something until their things got quiet and they could come back to me because there were nurses and their jobs could be in danger. You wouldn't think this. They were fighting over who got to treat me. Not who got stuck with me. My wife says, let me talk to him. I'll take care of that. (laughs) Put on therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. You know what that means? Putting up with it. Forgiving one another. If any man have quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. If I've truly offended you and I've done something wrong, don't hold that. Come talk to me. Please, let's get that out of the way so we can have the right relationship. I continually pray for the heart attitude of Emmanuel, and I love you. I really do. I have people come all the time and say, your church is different. In some very, very good ways. And then some very, very different ways. Your pastor's a kook. I'm a keeper of odd knowledge. So forgiveness makes an effort to get the other person to forgive themselves. Now the next one I want you to listen to, when you have that thing and you haven't forgiven somebody, you need to understand verses 4 and 5 again, we could read them, but for sake of time I won't. It says real. For, it tells you that real forgiveness liberates the innocent. You know what he could do? He stood before them. He was speaking Egyptian. They didn't know who they were dealing with. They thought, oh man, this is second to Pharaoh. Our goose is cooked. We didn't do anything wrong. And God's getting even with us for what we did to our brother Joseph. And they're talking amongst themselves. And they think this second man in Egypt is there and doesn't know what they're saying. And he hears what? every word every word you know what he could do he could drop the facade the facade you know what that is that's a phony front he could drop the phony front that we put up making people sometimes well i forgive you yeah i forgive you You need to know that because i'm more godly than you so i've forgiven you and then go and talk to someone else That's not forgiveness. And it keeps the person who's been injured in bondage. Where when the truth is put out there, you know what it does? It liberates you. You don't have to hide it. Just don't be angry about it. I teach many people many times, they have to approach somebody that's hurt them, and you know what I say, you need to do, it. you need to go to them and say, Please forgive me. And the person's well, what over? For me, holding a grudge against you for what you've done to me and you never made right. And I've let that affect my life with my Savior and I'm not doing it anymore. So I want you to know this is what you did and I forgive you of it. Please forgive me also where I've offended you. See, because forgiveness is not an emotion. Just like love is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice and an action just like love is a choice and an action. You can drop the mask. You don't need to pretend. You don't need to cover up the problem. You're free to be yourself. He didn't have to talk in Egyptian anymore. He could talk in his native tongue. If you don't understand, in my house there is a language called Lego. When you're in a church very long, you realize I speak in Lego a lot. Yes, Pastor Kenny? He makes notes and he reminds, Pastor, what does that mean in English? (laughs) See, four things so far. Don't you want to be at liberty? When you hold that inside, it eats you up. It becomes, that which you won't forgive becomes a root of bitterness. And it springs up in your life like dandelion weeds. The reason I can mention that is because guess what's happening in our lawn? Dave will come over, he'll cut them off. And I was thinking, you know, if I hadn't hurt my leg this week, I was going to spread stuff or go get that thing. They show you spray it right down on the dandelion to kill it by the root. That's what bitterness is like. It starts inside and works up through, and then you don't see it until the, the outcome of the bitterness is there. And you can't cut it off. You've got to get it out by the root. Does right. any root of bitterness springing up trouble you? and thereby many be defiled. I'll give you the fifth thing. See, I'm going to be finished on time almost. True forgiveness allows you to look for the hand of blessing and the hand of God in your situation. Verses 6 and 7. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. See, it happened on the just and the unjust. It happened on God's chosen people and those who weren't God's chosen people and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. There'll be no production of food. And God sent me before you. Do you think that's what Joseph thought when he ran from Potiphar's house? Do you think that's what Joseph thought when they cast him in prison? Do you think that's what Joseph thought when the cupbearer Forgot about him? I preached on Wednesday night. I have learned in what sore state I am in therewith to be content. Joseph learned this. There's a verse that talks about our Savior. It says, though a child he learned what? Obedience. Now, our Savior already knew. And Joseph is not Jesus Christ. But Joseph learned that so he could see God had a purpose for what he went through. And so many times we won't forgive because we don't see God's hand in it, we don't know where it's leading. And so that's why I tell you so many times if you're here today, you haven't haven't been coming at all, maybe you're not saved. I tell my people all the time God is always good. God is always right. We don't always understand. But he'll bring you through because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do you look for God's hand in the situation? I told Judy, bring me some more tracks. I had a chance to witness to lost nurses and to encourage saved wit- nurses to stand up. When I tried to witness to my uh, Muslim hospitalist, <laughs> he left the room quick. I wasn't offensive. When I got done, I had my sister who has a, a, a confectionery baking business. She made three trays. I had a big one for the emergency room, and especially two nurses' names on that. He says, for the emergency room. A tray with about 30 cookies on it took it into the emergency room because they spent two two and a half days in the emergency room because they couldn't find a bed. They had me uh, on a stretcher or a gurney for two and a half days. Then the other two and a half days, they had me in a room on, I think, the fifth floor. And so we sent also two smaller trays, one for the day shift nurses with two nurses mentioned on the day shift, especially thank you to you, and two nurses on the night shift. You know what I was thanking him for? Every three hours, getting stuck in my abdomen to give me heparin so I wouldn't get blood clots. Drawing blood every three hours. And then coming in and talking to me. And they said, You're not giving us any problem. And I said, You got enough to deal with. You don't need a problem from me. And I was able to give them tracks. I was looking for God's hand in that. This is the reason I preached the message on contentment on Wednesday. See, you know what we lose as Christians so many times? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you don't even have any idea what forgiveness is. And you need to come and receive the forgiveness of God. Because He promises that if you'll come to Him through Jesus Christ, He will forgive you and save you. But believer, we can claim the verse in the good times, but in the bad times, and we know that All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Are you looking for the hand of God in the situation you're going through, in the person you need to forgive, or the person who needs to know that maybe you've offended them and you know it, and you're willing to be honest about it and seek their forgiveness? Are you looking for God's hand in that situation? I had to when I went in the hospital. I've been cut out of seven cars. And it's not always because of the way I drive. I witnessed to a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors. Had opportunity to do this again. Now I've got another surgery coming up. I'll witness to them. Because they have something they don't have. And they need Forgiveness. Especially if they cut me one more time. I want to ask you are you carrying around bitterness and pain and hurt because of what someone has done to you? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Are you willing to forgive? If not, why not? God forgave you. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter two. Told you. I think unforgiveness is one of the biggest problems amongst believers. Second Corinthians chapter two. Watch this. There was a man who had committed a horrible sin. And he was judged in the first, in the, the first epistle to the church at Corinth because they weren't judging his sin. And Paul said, turn his flesh over to Satan that his soul might be saved. And they put him out of the church. And now he's talking about him again And in verse 6. He says, sufficient to such a man is the punishment which was afflicted of many because the Corinthian church took his guidance. So that contrary you ought to rather to what? Forgive him. And what? Comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be what? With overmuch sorrow. She has a ministry that she's going to have to teach. They do you know that people blame themselves for what they get put through so many times as children and kids and teenagers? Because they're told if I hadn't done this, this never would happen to me. And have to learn to forgive themselves. See, sufficient to such a man is the punishment which was inflicted of many. So that contrary ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. Jesus died for the unloving and the unlovable. He rose again, so that they could know his love. For this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. See, I can't hold a grudge because of what somebody did to my wife. I may beat them up, but I won't hold a grudge. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sake forgave I it in the person of who? For what reason? It's in verse 11. Lest Satan should gain an advantage of us, for you are not ignorant of his devices. Satan uses unforgiveness to lead to bitterness, to lead to a troubled life in defiled people. Are you carrying around bitterness, pain, because of what someone else has done to you? Can you forgive them? Don't let Satan use it. Have you ever received the forgiveness of God? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You're willing to come today? I'm not going to have you stand and raise your hand say, pray for me. If you're here and you don't know today that if you were to die that heaven would be your home, you can know today. Because there's one who will forgive you of your sin. Your religion, your church, this church can't save you. But the one who said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He can save you. If you come, we'll have someone take a Bible and show you how you can know that you have eternal life that heaven will be your home. Believer, are you holding back forgiveness for somebody? Does it really make you feel any better? Are you able to be comfortable in their presence? If you have that resentment well up in you, you need to be at this altar. You need to give it to God. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. God speak into your heart. Please stand. They're going to lead us into Him, but if God's dealing with you and you're someone that you are holding in on, you try to put it out of your mind. You don't want to think about them or the problem because it hurts too much. You need to come here and lay it on the altar so that you're able to forgive them and be at liberty in yourself and practice true forgiveness the same as our Savior practiced true forgiveness with us. If God speaking to your heart, you come.